Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about the characteristics of great faith. Uh, I've been doing a lot of soul searching. I've been doing a lot of reading, listening to messages. I even got my old Raymond notes out from when I went to Bible college a couple of years ago. A few years ago. Many years ago. Hallelujah. <laughs> Where you going? It's okay. Go ahead, Michael. Come here, buddy. I'll come, come to here. one conclusion. Come here. I'm up Hallelujah. I got it. She got an offering. One of my little children here trying to run up here and give me an offering. Bless her heart. I hope she does that when she's a millionaire. Yes. 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 I mean, you can't even enjoy the promises of God without faith. You can't be saved without it. Thank God for grace, but uh, we need faith to get saved. You have to have faith in the Word, faith in the Gospel, faith in what Jesus said. And uh, John said that it's our faith that overcomes the world. So if it's in the world and you don't like it, your faith can overcome it. Amen? Amen. I mean, sickness is in the world. Amen. 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 You can overcome it. Yes. Uh, addictions are in the world. Yes. Bad things are in the world. You can overcome them with your yes. faith. Amen. Yes. Amen. So I'm going to do everything I can to help you to increase your faith. But Paul said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes. So, you know, your faith grows by exercising it. Your yes. faith gets stronger by exercising it. Just like lifting weights or something. Uh, if you lift weights and exercise your muscles, they'll grow. Faith is the same way, but there's only one way that faith comes, and that's by hearing the Word. Amen. So as you're hearing the Word this morning, you should be expecting faith to yes. come. Yes, to amen. You. Amen. Amen. So I want to look at uh, a place in the Bible where Jesus told somebody, he actually told two people this, he said, uh, your faith is great. I haven't seen this kind of faith nowhere in Israel. And so I want to look at at least one of those accounts where he said it to a Syrophoenician woman. She wasn't even a member of the church. She wasn't a Jew. She wasn't religious. And yet he told her that she had great faith. The other one he told that had great faith was a centurion. He was a commander in the Roman army. Uh, of a hundred people, that's what centurion means. He was he was uh, in charge of a hundred soldiers. And he told him that he had great faith. But nowhere in the Gospels, nowhere in the Bible did I see Jesus tell anybody else that had great faith. Not even his great apostle. Didn't tell none of them. Didn't tell any Jew, any religious leader, just these two unsaved, non-members of the church who right. said they had great faith. So we're going to look at this Syrophoenician woman this morning, find out what it is that uh, causes Jesus to say that you have great faith. Look at Mark 7, 24, and then we're going to look at Matthew 15, because those two gospel writers, Mark and Matthew, gave an account of the same thing, but 
they said some things slightly different, so we want to know what they are that they seem differently. In Mark 7, 24, it says, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into an house, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him, and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. That's Mark's account. Now let's look at what Matthew has to say in chapter 15 and verse 21 of Matthew's gospel. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the Jews. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet or right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, Great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we know the whole story, but we're going to break it down and take it in segments for the purpose of learning some things here. But Mark said this woman had a daughter with an unclean spirit. Matthew said her daughter was grievously vexed by a devil, and that word vex means a lot of different things, but in other words, she was grievously troubled and tormented by a devil. I mean, know the devil will torment you. He will cause trouble for you. And the Bible tells us she was a woman of Canaan, a Greek, a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by nationality. And all of those names indicate that she was not not a religious woman by any means. Amen. And uh, it also means that she was involved in some ungodly things. And when you think about her young daughter being grievously vexed or possessed by a demon or an unclean spirit, you can't help but wonder how or why is this young, innocent child possessed by a devil? What could she possibly do at such a tender age? And so you might wonder, how could she be mixed up? How could she be tormented? How could she be troubled by a demon when she's an innocent child and she didn't do anything at all? And you know, a lot of people look at children with problems and tend to judge them unfairly. And you know what I'm talking about. You see them at Walmart and Kroger and 
other places. You see them at the doctor's office in the waiting room, and, and they're just terrorizing the place, terrorizing their parents, being unruly and everything. And, and they're the type of children that cause you to lean over to whoever you're with and whisper in their ear, that was my kid. <laughs> I would light them up. Right. And you know what? Sometimes we're judging a child for something that's the parents' fault. Right. And maybe we should be lighting the parents up. Right. Amen. Because the child is acting something out that she learned at home, he learned at home. And you know, uh, the Bible clearly teaches us that the lifestyle of the parents have a definite effect on their children. Yes. The children don't do as you say. Children do as you do. And the Bible says, raise them up in the ways of the Lord, and when they grow old, they'll not depart from them. And the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. In other words, he says, the rod of correction will drive foolishness far from a child. And, and basically, I'm not saying you whip your kid with a rod or, or a belt or something. Sometimes they need to be spanked. But basically, it's talking about they need discipline. Yes. And the discipline should come from the parents. Yes. Amen. Amen. If it don't come from the parents, it's going to come from a school teacher, <coughs> and they're going to fail. It's going to come from an employer, and they're going to lose their job. Or it may come from a police officer, and they're going to lose their life. Right, that's right. So do the correct thing at home as a parent. That's your job as right. a parent. Amen. 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 I'm not beating up the parents, especially nowadays. It's hard to raise children nowadays. But if you make the decision to raise them, or even if you didn't make the decision to raise children, and you have children, it's your job to bring them up right. That's Amen. 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 I'm going to leave that alone for a minute. <laughs> Sometimes... Children suffer in different ways because of the way their parents choose to live. And, and, you know, so you bring them to church. We get them for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, one day a week. If you're really diligent, we get them twice a week. But you got them all the rest of the time. What do you expect us to do with them in that short amount of time that we have? We try to cram into them as much of the Word of God as we possibly can in an hour, hour and a half. But then you have to enforce it the rest of the week, the rest of the month, the rest of the year. Yes. The rest of their lives until they get to the place where they start making decisions for themselves. But when you're the parent, they're the child, you make decisions for them. Amen. Right. You don't let them decide who or what they want to be. Yeah. You tell them who they are. Right. Amen. You tell them who they're going to be. That's right. Amen. Yes, Amen. You plan it in them. Yes. And then when they grow older and they're able to make their own decisions, hopefully they'll remember what mom said, what daddy said, and they'll make the right decisions. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So anyway, parents can live ungodly lives and open the door to demon influences that, and, and all kinds of spirits that will affect their children, will affect their households. You know, And our passage this morning tells us that this woman was a Canaanite. And that's really significant because the Canaanites were involved in some pretty vile things like idol worship, incest, bestiality. I mean, these people were so vile they actually abused their animals, abused their children, abused their spouses. Uh, they were just nasty, nasty people. And 
for some reason, the Holy Ghost told us that she was a Canaanite. So there's obviously something here we need to learn about it. But uh, when Israel went in to possess the land of Canaan, uh, the, the land where the Canaanites lived, God said that land was so vile that the land itself vomited them out. That's pretty vile for the land that is sick of you and vomits you out. And Jesus expressed this attitude because that's what it's talking about. You know, the land didn't actually heave up and spew them out. But what it's saying is that what they were doing in that land was sickening. And it would cause you to get sick and vomit. And Jesus expressed the same attitude in Revelation 3 concerning half-hearted Christians. He said, I know your works. You may think you're getting away with it, but he knows your works. That you're neither cold or hot. And then he says, I would rather you be cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will puke you out of my mouth. In other words, you make him sick if you're sitting on the fence and you're lukewarm. You're not in or out, but you're somewhere in the middle. He said he'd rather you be out or in, but not in the middle. Must be a good reason for that, if the Lord said it. But did you know God will give you time and space to repent? But if you don't repent, and I don't know how much space, how much time, but if you ever reach that place where God quit give, quits giving you time and space to repent, he's going to puke you out of his mouth and replace you. Amen. 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 I'm just preaching some truth this morning. Is that all right? Amen. But, uh, this woman's living a lifestyle of the Canaanites. And so, knowing that, it's easy to see why her little daughter had problems with demons. And we can only imagine the things that were going on in that house. What spirits were allowed in the house and what spirits were allowed to operate in the house. And the kind of parties that might have been going on in that little girl's presence. The things that she might have been seeing. Not only that, but maybe they were even abusing her. And you know, when parents allow certain people into their lives, they really have to be careful concerning their children. Don't trust anybody. That's right. Amen. Amen. And you know, some of these people will take advantage of your children, and in a lot of cases, it's even relatives. And if your child ever tells you that someone messed with them or touched them inappropriately, don't ever just discard it or dismiss it. And I don't care how much you trust your friends, your relatives, your teachers, uh, music, te whoever, whatever, whoever's in there, even the clergy. Don't trust nobody. And if your child ever tells you that one of them, I don't care if it was a pastor or a minister, and they tell you that the, they were messed with by that person, you listen to them. That's right. You investigate it fully. Amen? Amen. Normally, Children don't lie about these things. I knew it was going to be quiet. That's all right. But people just don't realize how much their lifestyle, the way they live, and the things that they allow their children to see, they don't realize how much it actually affects their children. But it affects them greatly. You don't know the amount of influence you have on a child. You don't know how much a child looks up to you. They're, you know, they're innocent. They're gullible. If you tell them the moon is blue, they're going to believe you. Why? Because that's the way children are. They're fast to forgive. 
uh, they're loving, they're joyful. I mean, if, if they're not getting a spanking or getting hurt, they're always running around skipping and happy and laughing and playing with one another. They don't hold grudges. They can have a knockdown, drag them out with their little friend, and five minutes later, be sitting there having pretend tea with them. That's the way children are. That's the way God wants us to be concerning Him and concerning His Word. He wants us to be gullible. He wants us to be believing. He wants us to be trusting. He wants us to be full of joy, just like a, a little child. He says, suffer the little children or permit the children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. Amen. That's the way He wants the kingdom of God to operate. Amen. So, you know, if, if you drink, if you smoke, if you cuss in front of your children, then don't be surprised when you find out that they've been doing it behind your back. Amen. You get a call from the teacher that says, I caught him in the boys' room this morning smoking. I caught him in the girls' room smoking, right. drinking. Amen. Don't think it can't be done in school. It can. Yes. Amen. I'll tell you some stories, but I've been saved from that. Come on, Pastor. But if you're always negative and never have anything positive to say in front of your children, then guess what? That's right. They're going to be just like you. If you allow dishonest things and practices to go on in your house, if you disrespect your spouse and mistreat your spouse, or if you disrespect a teacher or authority for that matter, that's what they're going to do. If you're a racist, Children have to be taught these things. They're not born racist. I can show you pictures all day long of black and white little kids hugging each other and playing uh, uh, in the streets together and playing with toys together. Uh, the ones that don't play together are the ones that were taught to not do that at home. So sometimes we blame the children for the way they're acting. It's not their fault in a lot of cases. And we don't know exactly how this little girl got this demon, but we do know that she was in a serious situation. It's serious when uh, you're possessed by a demon or when your child is possessed by a demon because there's all kinds of manifestations come from that. Sickness is one of them. Yes. Death is another one if it gets too far. I mean, a demon will make them suicidal. Give them to the Christ they don't want to live anymore. And, you know, we wonder what happened. But no matter what the situation is, no matter how deep into sin and degradation somebody can go, you're never too far for the Lord to reach you. That's right. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus saves to the uttermost. Amen. Uttermost. What's that mean? You can't go too far that he can't reach you. That's right. Amen. There's always hope. I don't care who it is. Yeah, but you don't know my nephew. I don't care who it is. That's it. He can't go too deep that the Lord can't reach and keep Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Mark says she heard about Jesus. How many know that's the beginning of every miracle? Yes. Yes. That's the beginning of every healing, every deliverance, every miracle, every uh, sign and wonder is because somebody heard about Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad I heard about Jesus one day. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. I, was, I was on my way to hell. Ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Amen. And somebody told me about Jesus, and I listened. Amen. You're here today because somebody told you about Jesus. Amen. And you listen. Amen. 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 But the Bible says that uh, she heard about Jesus 
And the Bible tells us also there was a woman with an issue of blood, but when she heard about Jesus, it was no longer an issue. Right. And then there was this blind man named Bartimaeus. When he heard about Jesus, they couldn't call him blind Bartimaeus anymore. Right. They had to call him Bartimaeus. Right. Or sightseeing Bartimaeus. So here we got this ungodly, idol-worshipping, vile, Canaanite woman, woman, and I'm sure she's living a lifestyle, and I'm more than sure that her daughter's problems are directly related to the lifestyle she's living in, in front of her child at home. Yes. And the Bible says she heard about Jesus, but it also said that she came when she heard, and she sought him out. And when she found him, she followed him and began to cry out, Have mercy on me, thou son of David. Yes. And, you know, uh, she didn't know anything about Jesus being in the lineage of David. She's a heathen. She's a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by nation. She was a Canaanite. She, had, she didn't have a religious bone in her body, but she's hollering, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And if you remember, that's what old blind, I mean, that's what old Bartimaeus said. He said the same thing. Now, son of David, have mercy on me. And so uh, at first, neither one of them got a response. Not immediately anyway. But maybe this is one of the things that she heard, and she was just repeating something that she heard. She might have been in the crowd that day, maybe at the market or something, when Jesus passed by and blind Bartimaeus got healed. She may have heard that. She may have seen that. And so she figured, well, if that's what got Jesus' attention for him, that's what's going to get his attention for me. And so she just starts reciting what Bartimaeus said. And uh, maybe she also heard or seen that he was merciful. And that's also significant because I've noticed that when someone, someone in the Bible would cry out for mercy, they always got healing. Yeah. And I mean, they said, have mercy on me. And they were healed. It was with Bartimaeus, it was the woman with the issue of blood, and as we read in this story, it was this woman's daughter. But the Bible says that God is rich in mercy towards us all. So it stands the reason if he's rich in mercy towards us all, and every time somebody cries out for mercy, they get healing, then he must be rich in healing Amen. towards all. Amen. 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 I mean, if... Uh, uh, for us to say that God has mercy for everyone but doesn't have healing for everyone, that would do an injustice to the scriptures. Yes. And after old blind Bartimaeus received mercy from Jesus, like I said, they couldn't call him blind Bartimaeus anymore. They had to call him just Bartimaeus after that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But anyway, he recognized Jesus as the Messiah. And he was a Jew, so he was obviously familiar with the things of God. He was probably actually religious, or at least he knew about God, knew about the scriptures. So when he hollered, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me, he was being sincere about it. He knew that Jesus was in the lineage of David. Amen. And he just called him out. It was an honor for him to call him out as someone that's in the lineage of a king. Hallelujah. He didn't know that he was the king of kings. He just knew he was a traveling minister. But anyway, he recognized Jesus as the Messiah, so he was obviously familiar with the word of God. But this Canaanite woman, given her background, what did she know about Jesus being the son of David? Probably nothing at all. And she said basically the same thing Bartimaeus said. Jesus, son of David, 
have mercy on me. But notice Jesus didn't respond to her cry, never said a word. He ignored her. And maybe she heard how Bartimaeus got Jesus' attention and how he healed him. And she thought, if I could just say the same things that he did, maybe he'll do the same for me. You know, Jesus doesn't always respond to what you say. But he does always respond to the things that you say in faith. He responds to faith. And you can say whatever you want, but if there isn't any faith in what you're saying, you might get ignored. And I say that in a polite way. Uh, it might not get the Lord's attention. Is that better? <laughs> and it might not bring your victory because it did come from your heart where true faith comes from. Faith comes from the heart. I'm telling you things this morning that you can practice today. I know that they happened uh, a couple thousand years ago, but the Word of God is timeless. The Word of God never expires. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. So that tells me this Word is alive. It's energized. And if it was alive and energized back then, it's alive and energized today. If it accomplished something back then, it will accomplish something today. Amen. 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 It hasn't passed away. Jesus said, you know, every jot and tittle, everything you mark down will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Amen. And Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well one day, and he told her in John 4, 24, he says, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yeah. <coughs> you might be wondering, what's that got to do with what we're talking about? Well, let me read it to you in the Message Bible. I love the way the Message Bible puts it. Jesus said, woman, I like that. <laughs> I say that to my wife sometimes. I said, woman, I said, and it never turns out good for me. Yeah. <laughs> But I like saying it just sounds cool, you know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, Jesus said, Woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. That still hasn't changed. But the time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, out of their spirits, their true selves, and they must do it in adoration. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. It's much clearer now, isn't it? In other words, he'll know if you're pretending. Yes. It's got to be true to you. It has to be a reality to you. You can say elegant prayers, make the right confessions, raise your hands and praise them out loud. 
but he will know if it's real to you. He will know if it's coming out of your very being, out of your heart. He'll know if you're a hypocrite or a pretender. Amen. He knows. And if there's not any faith coming out of it, it's not going to be received by him, and you're not going to get anything out of it. It's got to be real to you, a reality. You've got to have it in your heart. Amen. The Lord hates hypocrisy. That was one of the things he'd get on the, the Jewish leaders about, the religious leaders. He'd say, you hypocrites. I mean, he just, he didn't pull any punches. He told them, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You say it, but you don't mean it. It's not coming from your heart. So God knows if you're sincere or not, if you're in faith or not. He knows if you're real or you're just a pretender. He knows if you're acting. That's what a hypocrite is, an actor. Bartimaeus cried out to the Lord, but he didn't get an immediate response. This woman cries out to the Lord. She don't get an immediate response either. As a matter of fact, she was being flat ignored. And the Lord made it clear in, this, in the story we read. And you you might be wondering, what do, I, what do I do when I pray and I don't get an answer? What do I do when I cry out to the Lord for mercy and I don't get an answer? What do I do? Same thing she did. You keep crying out. You keep following. You keep pleading with the Lord. And you keep on asking until you receive what you're looking for. Never give up. Even if there's no response, don't give up. There's a reason why you didn't get a response. There's a reason why your prayer hasn't been answered yet. And the devil just wants you to quit. Give it up. Don't worry about it. He ain't answering you. You're too wicked. He don't want to hear from you. But he's a liar and the father of it, right? But one of the things about both of them is they were bold. You know, they, the crowd told Blind Barnett, shut up. And Blind Barnett said, you shut up. Right. <laughs> and he cried out, the Bible yes. says. Amen. And that's what the disciples are telling this woman. Shut up. Quit following us. She says, you shut up. You quit following Right. She wouldn't give up. She was bold. That's right. Amen. This is a characteristic of great faith. Faith is bold. Yes. Amen. If our faith was as bold as the devil, we would kick his butt to kingdom come. But he's more bolder than us. And Apostle Paul said in Hebrews 4, 16, Come boldly unto the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and receive help in your time of need. Obtain what? Mercy and help. Jesus, throne of grace, have mercy on me. You can say, Jesus, throne of grace, have healing on me. Have deliverance on me. He's the throne of grace. And we know that Jesus eventually responded because we read the story. And she may not have started out in faith, but somewhere along the line, she developed enough faith, uh, not only enough faith, but enough faith to impress Jesus to the point where he told her she had great faith. And there must be a difference between faith and great faith, or he he wouldn't have said what he did. And one of the characteristics of great faith, there's a lot of characteristics, but one of the main characteristics is it never gives up or quits. It's always consistent and persistent. Consistent and persistent. And I think this is what impressed the Lord. And trust me, it is not easy to impress the Lord. 
He's seen it all. He's seen everything. He's the creator. He created the worlds, the universe, everything. How are you going to impress a man like that? What kind of gift do you buy a person like that? He shot everything. Give him yourself. Amen. That's all you can give him is give him yourself. Give him some love. Give him some obedience. Amen. Amen. Give him another soul. That's all he wants. But anyway, this woman's faith made an impression on him. And faith, especially great faith, having done all the stand, it what? It continues to stand. How long? Until the victory comes. And real faith will not be denied. She knew what she wanted, and she refused to leave without it. No matter what they said, no matter how they offended her, no matter how much he ignored her, she refused to leave. And that's one of the greatest characteristics of faith. And that's why Jesus called her faith great. He knew she wasn't going to quit. But he also knew there were some things that she had to learn. She had to stop being a pretender. She had to stop just saying things that she thought was right, saying things that she heard other people say. He had to teach her that it had to come from her heart. In other words, he didn't answer yet because she wasn't ready for the answer he had for her. He knows when you're ready for the answer. Right, and then he'll give it to you. So she must have been bold and persistent because she got the disciples so agitated that they're telling Jesus, please tell her to go away. She's driving us crazy. And uh, one translation says she was driving them crazy with her incessant crying and following after them. Amen. So she had to be bold. And so Jesus had this reputation for preaching the truth. I don't know how he got that, but he had a reputation for preaching the truth. He had a reputation for healing the sick, setting the uh, bound free, and saving the lost. And uh, everywhere he went, that's what people expected to see from him. Signs and wonders, deliverances, healings. And they followed his ministry, and that's why people were seeking after him. The Bible tells us he had to hide, but he couldn't hide. Why? People were seeking him. He wasn't seeking people. He wasn't going after people. He would just go along to the next town that the Spirit led him to. And by the time he got there, he had a crowd to preach to. He didn't put out posters and advertise on Facebook and Twitter. They followed him. Why? Healing, deliverances, miracles, signs, wonders. Talk about a wonder. I wonder what would happen if the church ever quit fighting amongst itself and started doing the things that Jesus was doing, setting the captives free, healing the sick, getting people saved. I wonder what would happen. I wonder if people would start following us. Amen. Just a thought. Think about it. Say lie. Jesus said that we'll not only do the works that he did, but we'll do even greater works than him because he went to the Father on our behalf. Well, if we can do greater works, why aren't we? No unity. Can't get together. And, and the thing that hurts me the most is that uh, the different denominations, they, they agree probably on 98% of the doctrines that we're teaching. Uh, but it's the 2% that they concentrate on. It's the 2% that drives a wedge between them. It's the 2% that keeps them from becoming united and working together. That's why we have Baptists and we have Pentecostals and we have Methodists and we have Catholics. 
What happened to having a church? Amen. What happened to having whatever happened to having one church? Let me ask you a question. If Paul wanted to write an additional letter or additional epistle to the church, where would he send? Where would he send that letter? I like to think he sends our church. But where would he send it? Back then, when the church was first born, he only had one church to write letters to. I mean, he wrote to the Ephesians, he wrote to the Colossians, he wrote to the Corinthians and all. But all those letters eventually went to all the individual houses of worship, but it was still only one church. Amen. One church. That's why you see all the miracles and the healings and the deliverances and the signs and wonders in the book of Acts because they had become divided yet. Amen. But man don't like that. He gets in there and says, I got a better idea than Jesus did. Right. And he starts changing things and then he gets a following. Now you got this denomination, you got that denomination. I'm telling you, Jesus prayed a prayer in John 17. And he prayed that the church would come into unity such as the unity that he had between him and the Father. And that's going to happen someday. That's when you're going to see a revival. That's when you're going to see people flocking to the church, chasing after the church for a change instead of the church chasing after them. Church is going to set up a tent like Mario Murillo and say, here I am. And they're going to come just like they do where he's at. Hallelujah. Why? Because... If you look at his ministry and you look at the book of Acts, they're one and the same. Hallelujah. So anyway, if we just get together, there's no telling what we might see. But that's what we see here with this woman seeking after Jesus. She's not seeking after the Son of God. She didn't know he was the Son of God. She had no knowledge of that. Nobody told her that. She didn't study the scriptures for herself. Nobody really knew. They had suspicions, but nobody really knew he was the son of God. As far as she was concerned, he was an evangelist traveling with a group of ministers that were helping him evangelize. That's what she was following, an evangelist. And so she finally gets to him, and here he is, and he's rude to her. He won't even answer. He ignores her. And yet she continues to pursue him. (coughs) Why? Because she knew he had the goods. And how many of you would still be in this story now? I mean, you think, yeah, but she was pursuing Jesus. She didn't know that. She didn't know who Jesus was. She was pursuing a traveling minister, an evangelist, with a group of other ministers. And he was rude and ignored her. And the other ministers were even ruder than him uh, by trying to push her away and telling Jesus to tell her to get lost. She never viewed him as God. Put yourself in this woman's shoes. She calls. She cries out to Jesus in a nice way, I'm sure. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Help me, please. And Jesus ignores her. The disciples say, get lost. You're bothering us. Say bye. Think about that. Amen. How many ministries out there ain't really concerned with the souls of the people. That's right. I can't go there. But anyway, they tell her to shut up and get lost. She probably tells them to shut up and get lost. And she keeps on crying out, Jesus, have mercy on me, help me. 
And I don't know about you, but I know I wouldn't be in this story right now because I would have told them off and left. But we're looking at great faith. We're looking at persistence. We're looking at tenacity. We're looking at boldness. We're looking at somebody that refuses to quit, refuses to be denied, and will not leave. Why? She didn't get what she came for. That's how faith is. And here's something else we see about great faith, and that's great humility. Now, she probably didn't start out with humility. As a matter of fact, she was probably a little bit bold and arrogant. Maybe that's why the Lord ignored her. She had to learn some humility. And so she may not have started out that way, but somewhere along the way, she found humility. And she could have got offended and stomped off at any time, but she kept following. She kept crying, have mercy on me. Help me, please, thou son of David. And even after he ignored her and the disciples told the Lord to get rid of her, she's still there. I wouldn't be. And finally, Jesus speaks. Finally, Jesus turns around and says to her, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I wasn't sent to help you. I was only sent to help the Jews, God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. And by the Lord saying this, he showed her that he, he knew that she was pretending that what she had wasn't real. What she wanted wasn't coming from the heart. In other words, there was no faith in it at that time. Uh, and the reason I know he knew this is because he didn't identify her with the house of Israel. So he wasn't one of them. He was, she wasn't uh, one of them. She wasn't identified with the house of Israel. Uh, she wasn't identified the church to the, with the church. And he was telling her, I wasn't sent to you. And he's letting her know she never chose to be a part of God's people. Never chose to be a part of the church. And he's telling her that the blessings of God are for his children, for his people. How many have noticed that people want the blessings of God, but they don't want no part of the blessing? Amen. How many times have you been asked to pray for somebody or somebody asks you to pray for them or a family member and they don't go to church? Right. And yet God, in his goodness and mercy and grace, grants them their request and he heals their child or he delivers their child or he heals them or delivers them and then a week later they're right back to doing the same things they did yeah. before Amen. and still don't come to church that's what he's telling this woman you chose that life you chose not to become a part of Israel you chose because I mean there was proselytes and there was uh, converts anybody was welcome to become a Jew she chose not to but yes, she's pleading with him now. She wants a blessing that was meant only for God's people. Right. And she wants to make an exception for me. Just deliver my daughter, and I'll go back to the same lifestyle I had, and she'll get another demon that's seven times worse this time. Right. Because I ain't planning on changing my life. Maybe that's why the Lord ignored her. She wasn't ready for change. Right. And he knew that if he set her daughter free, it would only be short. Right. And not lasting. And matter of fact, she'd be in worse shape because the Bible says that when a demon is gone out of a person in Romans Bible, then it returns after walking in dry places, and it comes back with seven of their buddies, even more wicked than the first first one. Amen. So Jesus said it would be merciless for me to deliver this child. Right. Because he knew the outcome would be worse. Yeah. So he said, I'm not sent to you. 
And so, you know, like I said, some people want the blesser, but they don't want or the blessing, but they don't want the blesser. Amen. Amen. Uh, but anyway, she's told that he wasn't sent to her kind, but only to the house of Israel, the Jews, the church. And if this was today, in today's culture, I'm just going to say it. He would have been accused of being prejudiced. Right. He would have been accused of being a racist. Right. Why? And I mean, she had every right to think that because she would say, you Jews think that you're better than us Syrophoenicians. And you see how quickly this situation could have went south? Right. And she would have said her piece and left, but she would have left with her daughter in the same condition. Amen. Amen. But let me ask you, do you think the Lord is prejudiced? No. You think the Lord is a racist? No. Absolutely not. No. And she knew it too because she didn't accuse him. Right. If she really thought he was prejudiced or racist, she would have accused him of it right there. But instead, she humbled herself and fell at his feet and began to worship him, saying, Help me, Lord. Yes. That's great faith. Amen. And if she was pretending to be religious before this, she's not pretending anymore. She's on her face. Worshipping at his feet, feet saying, help me, Lord. Yes. And most of us would have been long gone. I know I'd have been long gone. Maybe some of you would have been long gone. But she's still here. And that's how great faith is. Amen. It don't quit. It don't leave. But now she's humble. If she wasn't humble before, she's humble now. She's on the ground pleading with him. He looks down and says, on top of all that, he says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Throw it to the dogs. On top of ignoring her, on top of telling her that he wasn't sent to people like her, he was sent only to the Jews, the house of Israel. On top of all of that, now he calls her a dog. Right. A D-O-G. Right. And if that was <laughs> me, of course I wouldn't be in the story at this point, but if I did make it that far... I wouldn't be beyond that. I'd be gone after that. I'd tell him off and I would leave. You talk to God like that? I don't know he's God yet. I didn't right. know he was God. Right. That was an evangelist. Right. So he, first he ignores me, tells me he's, he's not sent to people like me, and now he's calling me a dog. So anyway, I wouldn't be in the story. She still is, though. And she put up with a lot of stuff, but she could have said, now, I draw the line here. You can't call me a dog. And, and she could have been, she could have told him off and then left. But anyway, Jesus said the things that he did. And as a result, he lost his, his Facebook account, his Twitter account, his YouTube account. <laughs> he lost all his rights to social media. And you know, when people don't like what was said to them, sometimes they look for reasons so that they don't have to face the truth. They look for a reason why they don't have to believe what was said to them, even when it's true. And so he called her a dog. But you know, if the Lord calls you a dog, what should you do? Start barking, scratching, chasing her calves. Because if the Lord calls you a dog, you're a dog. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because the Lord don't lie. He can't lie. He's telling the truth. He says, you're a dog. And she don't get mad. She don't run off. She says, truth, Lord. Mm -hmm. She said, that's true. 
How many people would say that? They would deny it to the dying breath. She's still in the story. Can you see why the Lord told her she had great faith? Yes. She wasn't a Jew or a convert. And she probably couldn't quote any scriptures, but here she is still in the story. Why? Because she had pulled off faith and tenacity, and she had humility and persistence. And that will always get what you want from God. If you Amen. have those three things, you will always get what you want from God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can't be run off, can't be ignored, can't be refused, won't be denied, and won't take no for an answer. That's what great faith is. Yes. She came for something and she wasn't leaving without it, no matter what was said by who or what was done to her. And it's not like this woman has been in church all her life. Not like she had been going to church for 20 years, 10 years, 5 years. She just heard about Jesus. Just heard about him. Maybe even that day. Or maybe a few days before it. No more than a year or two because he wasn't in the ministry that long when, he, when she'd come upon him. And here she is with this kind of faith that Jesus couldn't find anywhere else in Israel. He told her it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she says, truth, Lord. You're right, Lord. It's not right to take their bread and give it to me because I am a dog. But why did he call her a dog? Because by the standards she was living by, she was a dog. And you can't help people until they identify where they're at. What's the first thing you have to do at Alcoholics Anonymous? You have to stand up there and say, I'm an alcoholic. Yes. And, and you know, uh, I'm a drug addict. I'm an adulterer. I'm a liar. I'm a dog. Right. Why? Because I can't help you until you admit who you are and where you're at. Amen. Then I can help you. And that's what Jesus was waiting for. He was waiting for her to identify with the lifestyle she was living, identify with where she was at in life and what needed to be changed. And he said, now I can help you. Amen. You can't get someone saved unless they realize they're lost. Yeah. I've witnessed the people in the past that said, look, look, I appreciate what you're doing, but you got your religion, I got mine, and, and uh, I, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. In other words, I ain't lost, so don't try to save me. And they were as lost as they could be. So until they get to the place where they can say, yes, I am lost. Yes, you describe me perfectly. Yes, I do need Jesus in my life. Then you can help me. And that's yes. what Jesus is trying to get this woman to the point where she realized she, she, wasn't, she couldn't pretend anymore. She had to get real. Amen. And, uh, you know, the Lord will help you see yourself if you really want him to. And you may not like what he shows you. You may not like what you see. But you got to remember this. It's true. Amen. If he Amen. shows you something, it's true. It's right. If he calls you a dog, you're a dog. Yes. If he tells you you need to change something, you need to change that something. Amen. He won't lie to you. Amen. Amen. But he knows unless you admit it, you can't. You'll never do what needs to be corrected. Amen. You'll never correct it. So he says, it's not right to take the children's bread, the Jews' bread, which in this case is deliverance and healing, and cast it to the dogs, those that can't appreciate it. He said that, you know, don't cast your pearls before swines, 
because they'll just trample them underfoot and then charge you. Why? Because they don't understand the value of a pearl. Right. She didn't understand the value of this bread up till this point. And now she recognizes it. Now she knows. And she says, that's the truth, Lord. But even the dogs under the table get the children's crumbs. Right. She not only had a revelation of the bread, but right. she had a revelation of the power of God that was in that bread. Right. And this is what really impressed the Lord. It shows the tremendous amount of faith she has concerning the power of God. She realized something that the disciples and his followers didn't realize up to this point. That's why he was impressed. She realized that she didn't need a whole loaf. She just needed a crumb or two. There was enough power in that crumb to deliver me and my daughter and my family and heal me and my daughter and my family. You can keep the loaf. Give it to the children. But even the little dogs under the table get a crumb every now and then. That's all I want, just a crumb. And Jesus said, man, I ain't seen faith like this anywhere in Israel. Right. He'd probably give his disciples an evil eye. <laughs> Not even in you. Right. You've been following the bread of life that came down from heaven, right. and you still don't get it. Right. This woman gets it. She knows she's talking to the bread of life that came down from heaven. And all she's asking for is a crumb. You you guys got the whole loaf. Right. And you ain't doing nothing with it. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. I don't need a loaf. I don't need a slice. I don't need a bite. Just a crumb. That's all I need. And, and you know, that's something that couldn't be said about any, I didn't see it anywhere else in the Bible. I mean, he told the centurion that he had great faith, but he didn't talk about bread or anything else. Right. He sees it in this woman. And, and so the Lord had to be so pleased with what she said that he made an exception for her. Now, I know you're thinking of this scripture, the, uh, the Lord is no respecter of persons. No, but he respects faith. Yes. He may not respect a person, but he respects faith. He may not treat a person differently, but he'll treat faith differently. Amen. The more the faith, the more the blessings. Yes. You got nothing to do with him being prejudiced or showing favor or anything else. He favors faith. And like I said, he never told any of them that they had great faith. And she realized she was talking to the bread of life. And so the Lord had to be pleased, and that's why he told her what he did. And I'm telling you, God will make exceptions to respond to faith. He'll make exceptions to respond to faith. You may say something, but if there's no faith in it, he doesn't have to respond to it. Right. But if there's faith in it, he'll respond. I mean, he will make an exception. He will actually calm the waves, calm the wind, stop the rain, stop the things that's going on in your life. Why? Because you said something, but you said it in faith. Amen. And he respects faith. And so he says to this woman, he said, I haven't seen faith like this anywhere in Israel. And then he says, be it unto you. In other words, you got what you've been chasing after. Be it unto you. And, and in other words, daughter, you passed the test. And because you did, and because you learned the lessons you should have learned, he says, I'm going to grant your request. He says, your daughter is delivered and healed. She went home, and that's exactly what she promised. Amen. Now, get ready to close with this. If he did it for her, 
and she was a heathen, had no entitlement to bread of any kind, how much more would he do it for his children? How much more would he do it for you and I? We're the children. It's our bread. It's our loaf. The bread of life came down from heaven for us, for God's children. And if a small crumb will save, deliver, and heal that woman's daughter, and I'm sure he saved and healed her that day too. That was his whole intention. He said, I got to get you healed and delivered first before I deliver your daughter. And that obviously happened. But how much more will the whole loaf do for us? That's right. He's given us the whole loaf. And as we study the word of God, like I said, starting out, and we observe these truths that's in the Bible, we have to understand they're timeless. They were true then. They're true now. They were true with his disciples and this Syrophoenician woman. They're true with his disciples today and with each one of us. No matter where you came from, what your walk of life is, what you've done doesn't make any difference. His word is true. Amen. It's alive and active. The Amplified says it's energized. And God said he sent his word and healed them all. Had mercy on them all. Does that include us? Yes. I mean, all is all, right? Yes. And so, these accounts of healing and deliverance and miracles that Jesus performed, Paul said these things were all done as examples for us. As examples for us. You see a miracle in the Old Testament? He put it there for you. You see somebody getting healed of something in the Old Testament? He put it there for you, for your example. He's saying to you that if I did it for them, I'll do it for you. Amen. Amen. He'll heal you. He'll set you free of addictions. Uh, he'll heal your family. He'll, he'll do whatever you need him to do if you keep pursuing him. Stay in faith. Don't quit. Don't give up. Amen. Be bold about it. He said come boldly before the throne of grace. Amen. Not just come, but come boldly before the throne of grace. Because God honors that. He honors what his son did for us, the suffering that he did, the crucifixion, the death, going to hell, the burial, the resurrection. God honors that so much that he says, come boldly because my son, what my son did for you should give you boldness to approach me. Amen. The Old Testament couldn't approach him like that. They had to go through a mediator. Well, God is our mediator. Jesus is our mediator. There's one man between God and man, and that's the mediator, Christ Jesus. He's our mediator. He mediated for us. He took God's hand, whom you could approach, in your hand, and brought them together in him. Yes. That's what Jesus did. We're in God because of Jesus. We're healed because of Jesus. We're set free because of Jesus. Everything we have is because of Jesus and what he did. Yes, amen. And we should be honored by it. Amen. And you know, God hasn't changed. Jesus hasn't changed. The Holy Ghost hasn't changed. And the Word hasn't changed. Amen. Amen. So why wouldn't He heal us? Why wouldn't He deliver us? Why wouldn't He give us what we need? Why wouldn't He fulfill the promises that He made to His people? And I don't know what you need from God today. But this is how you get it. I don't know if it's a healing, financial breakthrough, uh, deliverance, a miracle of any kind. God is waiting. 
Amen. For you to come to him and ask. Amen. But ask in faith. Yes. If you're pretending, then work on it a little while. Mm -hmm. Wait till you get to the place where it's sincere. Right. Wait till you get to the place where it's coming from your heart and not from your head. Amen. Wait till you get to the place where you realize and recognize <coughs> the goodness of God and what he's done for us yes. through his son, Jesus Christ. And you know, uh, Sarah started off, she laughed at the promise of God. But somewhere along the line, she developed a faith that was so strong that she had a child at the age of 100 yep. or 99, somewhere in that neighborhood, past the childbearing age. Right. She didn't start out in faith, but she ended in faith. Yes. And she received the promise. So you may not start out in faith. Your faith <clears throat> might be like an old pair of ice skates, all rusty, you need to be sharpened. But God's waiting on you. Amen. 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 Just ask him. Yes. He's wanting to do good things, says Jill. He's wanting to bless his yes. children. Yes, amen. He's wanting to be a miracle worker yes. for you. He's wanting to be your healer, your blesser, your financial officer. He's wanting to be all these things for us. All we've got to do is ask. Be bold about it. Be persistent about it. Don't give up and don't quit. Keep praying. And it'll come to pass. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We appreciate you so much. Jesus, we appreciate you. You're the Savior that saves to the uttermost. Yes. And I know there's people listening to me, maybe on Facebook Live this morning, and you may not have intended to listen to me. You may have been just surfing Facebook or YouTube or something, and you come across this video. And I'm telling you, it wasn't by happenstance. You're here by divine appointment. Whether it's this morning that I'm preaching or maybe it's a week, a month, a year from now when you see this thing in, on YouTube or some other social media site, this word is still as strong, will still be as strong then as it is this morning. Amen. It doesn't lose its power. It doesn't fade. It's quick, it's powerful, it's active, it's energized. And it will do for you what it did for this Syrophoenician woman. It will heal you, set you free, set your family free, because that little daughter was her family. And it will bring about the financial blessing you need. I'm telling you, this word will even heal COVID. COVID-19 ain't got a chance against this word. Trust me, I know. God is faithful. His word is faithful. It's tried and it's true. So, Father, we ask that everyone that comes to you with a broken heart, comes to you not pretending, comes to you coming and talking from their heart, not from what somebody else said or what they heard somebody else said or what they think, but they come to you in spirit and in truth, come to you speaking out of their heart. I pray that you hear them today, and I pray that you grant their requests, Lord. I pray that you heal them, that you set them free, that you give them the breakthrough, the miracle that they're looking for. Show them a sign or a wonder. Get them saved if they need to be saved. We trust and rely on you and on your word, Lord. So we thank you and praise you for the example you gave us this morning. Help us to recognize it in our life. Help us to use it in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you all, Facebook family. Glad you could join us today. I pray you got something out of this. If you thought it was worthwhile, hit the share button. Send it to somebody that you think needs to hear it besides yourself. And we would appreciate that.
This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.